Check out the nation news at ronanddonsitdown.com. Hey, you guys, what's going on? It's episode 338 now of the Ron and Don Show, and we are live from the Les Schwab Studios. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, don't forget, we want to thank everybody that stopped by Les Schwab Tire Center, and happy Thanksgiving week, everybody. People dropped off a lot of food and run right around the corner. Les Schwab's going to be doing it again. It's going to be time to drop off toys just in time. Well, for the next holiday season, Christmas, Hanukkah, Shaka Khan, doesn't matter what you celebrate. You are single-handedly keeping Les Schwab in business with how many nails you run over. It's like <laughs> every week you're running over a nail. I know. Anyway, you guys. Hey, also want to thank Mitch from Mitch.Loans for being one of our title sponsors this year. And if you're looking for a loan or you're looking to refinance, because Ron, we're starting to see those rates creep up right now, which people do. They go to Mitch.Loans when you're in the Ron and Don Nation and you're buying a new place. You save one half a percent. Average savings of $3,000 just for listening to this podcast, Mitch.Loans. Yeah. Coming up on episode 338, we're going to talk about my favorite television show, Emergency Squad 51. In fact, I tried to buy Squad 51, and I think I may have run into Gage and DeSoto this week. If you don't know who Gage and DeSoto are, hang on. I'll take you back to 1972. Also, very, very important. I got a check. I finally got a check from the federal government the other day, but you're not going to believe how much the check is and what the check is for. It's pretty astonishing, you guys. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. Uh, there's a nurse right now, a hospice nurse. She's been a hospice nurse for 11 years. Uh, and I have a nurse in my family that was a hospice nurse for almost 35 years. You have to have a very special disposition to stand in a room and watch people leave this earth. And right before they leave this earth, this hospice nurse who is now on TikTok explaining what happens sometimes to patients when they're in hospice care, it's something that they call the rally. And they say what happens during the rally, right before someone's about to die, all of a sudden they start seeing dead people all of a sudden, they get hungry for that piece of pizza that they used to eat when they were 15 years old. And all of a sudden, they come back to life. And she says, you have to be real careful because during the rally, you might start thinking to yourself, oh, my God, mom's going to live. Oh, my God, grandma's coming back. Oh, my gosh, dad's going to stick around for a couple more years. And then it breaks your heart because they pass away. She has over 402 thousand people following her she's only been on tiktok now for about six months and ron everybody is tuning in to see this woman talk about life and death the rally have you ever seen the rally i have seen it twice once uh through my mom and then once through uh, first-hand experience the thing you brought is ironic you bring up the pizza thing my uncle ron who i'm named after uh when he passed had this moment when my mom showed up uh, he lives, you know, in Ohio, she lived down in Florida. So she went up there, uh, it was getting close and she got that call and exactly what you just said. He's in the room. He'd been going downhill relatively quickly. And then when she got there and she was hanging out with him, he wanted the piece of pizza and a Coke in a bottle, uh, that they used to have at this pizzeria in their town. And so they sent someone out to get it. 
They brought it back. He took one, like a nibble off of this piece of pizza and a sip of the Coke and just lit up. Mm. Uh, it was because you know, I, I don't know, he was on lots of med- medication, but lit up. Uh, it was like this euphoric moment. And I mean, it wasn't even a full bite. Mm. Uh, it, it was just the nostalgia and the memory of him and his little sister going out for pizza. Uh, and then he, he quickly passed after that, but that, that was a version of it. And then the, I had the same thing when, uh, my birth mom, Catherine, uh, several years ago, and we have a whole episode about that. I think it's one of our first five to 10 episodes. Um, you can hear that whole story, but she chose to do a death with dignity ceremony down in California and she completely rallied. Uh, we had a very normal conversation, uh, the day before. She did the the uh, injection, and I was honestly in that room going, "You seem like we're having a lucid conversation mm. and talking like you and I are talking right now." Except if you know she was in this hospital bed in their house, and there's a hospice nurse there, and I actually pulled the hospice nurse aside and was like, "How do you do this?" Like this is incredible because you know they she comes to the nurse comes to the house every day and was basically just there uh, to to be a comfort and to administer any medications when needed. And uh, you're right; it's most of the time when someone's like, "Oh, this is my calling," I'm like, "Yeah, whatever." But I think it is a calling. Like you have to have, like I have a, the utmost respect for this the hospice nurse and the hospice doctor. Yeah, who uh, was very just a very unique human being. Yeah, watching them do what they do, and I, I was like, I can't imagine doing this. Day so, in, so, day out. so, and not to get too personal, but let me ask you this question: Did did you feel like in that moment that you wanted to talk? your your birth mom out of it and go what are you doing here uh you may not have the quality of life you used to have but you're lucid we're having this conversation and you're going to allow death with dignity tomorrow no i that never crossed my mind she she was the type of woman that it was important for her to do this on her own terms and so she did uh and it was one of the bravest things i've ever seen I, I i almost use the word beautiful i don't know if it's beautiful to watch someone die in front of you uh but there is a beauty in the in the courage yeah. in the way that she chose to do it so no that's not it, that's not my lane like i didn't know what how much pain she really was in yeah uh so like that that was her call and, and i respected it yeah what, it, what about you yeah, it's interesting. My grandmother uh, on my mother's side, who I was very close to, and, and in a lot of ways, my grandpa and my grandma on my mom's side helped raise us after my dad departed. It was kind of the three amigos of my mother. And then my grandparents would come down to Albuquerque. They'd stay in a trailer on the side of our house. And they would they really spent a lot of time not only with my mom and comforting her, because my, my dad leaving was pretty sudden, and here's my mom with four kids, and my grandparents were just in it with us. They just were, and so so it was it was very cool because they would show up at a football game. Uh, I'd go uh, stay up late at night. In fact, my grandmother would come in my room, stay in the bunk beds with me. We would that's where I started practicing my radio show. And then my brother would go out to the trailer. My grandparents had an Argosy trailer, like a streamlined trailer back in the day. 
and uh, and he would go stay out there, and he'd have these great talks with my grandpa. So, and and it, the thing I was going to say was about your grandpa: if you pulled out a photo album, a black and white picture from Chicago in the 1940s, yeah, your grandpa stepped right out of that picture. He does, like yeah. He like if, when you've seen those documentary footage of like the Midwest in the 40s, like the yeah. the, the glasses, the suit. Like the whole, he just stepped right out of he that. He wore it every day. And even when he was mowing his lawn in Waukegan, Illinois, with his lawn boy uh, power mower. And he thought it was so cool that it was self-propelled. It's when self-propelled first came out. And he always used to brag at Christmas time that he had a lawn boy that was self-propelled. So nonetheless, uh, my grandfather had passed. My grandmother was 94. She had brittle bones disease. And it started to be when she would move, she would break a bone. So she ended up in bed. You and I were doing radio at this time. In fact, she used to be on our radio show. We used to do a game with her uh, called Stump Don's Grandma, which is a lot of fun. And I found out that she, that she was passing. And, and the interesting thing... I'm always, I was always paranoid in radio to leave for too long of a time because any time in the, in the five times that we were let go or fired, because we worked at a time where a lot of mom and pops were selling to big corporations and these big corporations, what they wanted to do is something called wheel and spoke. So instead of having local hosts in every market, they wanted to have one host, let's say out of LA. And then that one host would be on 300 radio stations around the country. And it, but they, they would make it sound like they were in that market. It's a lot cheaper to run. So we would be working for these mom and pops. And the next thing you know, CBS radio would come in and, and we would get bounced. And it's hard because then, you know, you have to go to the next city. It takes about nine months to find another job. Sometimes you sign a non-competitive. Pete. And so I knew I had two choices. I can either go see her and spend some time with her as she's passing, right? Or I could uh, go to her funeral. And I remember my grandpa saying, don't come to my funeral. And, and I went to see him when he was still alive. And I couldn't go to his funeral. I was in my 20s. Uh, and I just didn't have the money to get on an airplane twice. So I went to see him when he was alive. And I'm glad that I did that. I did a similar thing with my grandmother. I went to see her in, in Fox Lake, Illinois. I spent about eight days with her. And a lot of those days, I would climb in bed with her and lay next to her, sometimes hold her. Uh, and I would share stories. She would share stories with me. We went over all her love letters that my grandpa sent her. Uh, and we had pulled these love letters. My mother, my aunt, myself, we'd never seen these letters before. And they were very intimate letters when they were teenagers. And he was a, uh, he used to ride horses. Uh, he was a jockey for Arm & Hammer Baking Soda. And they owned horses and he would travel the country in this train car. And that's how he met her. He stopped in Illinois. They made a connection. I think they went skating. For the next three years, you, you, you couldn't jump on a cell phone and talk to each other. He would write these amazing letters to her from this train car. And so as we're talking about this, and as my grandma, we know, is her body is beginning to, to, to shut down. She can't really, she, she couldn't move. But we had these really rich conversations. And I remember sitting there one morning, and she had been in bed the whole time. In fact, she told me one morning, she goes, Donald, I'm... I'm really sorry I can't get out of bed. And she talked a little bit like Mickey Mouse. I can't get out of bed and and make you a sandwich, but I'm really in a pickle right now. She she, she loved to make me a sandwich. Uh, and I said, Grandma, don't worry about that. And, and she was still eating, uh, not much, but kind of on a drip. And then, and, then, and then one morning she decided, and this is where the rally came, that she wanted scrambled eggs. 
and she wanted a glass of orange juice. She was very specific. She wanted bacon. I remember the pepper that she wanted on her scrambled eggs. A little bit of cheese I offered. She was not interested in that. And that's really, at the time, one of the only dishes that I could make. And she couldn't walk. I'm, I'm in the kitchen. My mom's there. Uh, my mom's helping make scrambled eggs. We're getting ready to take scrambled eggs into uh, her, her bedroom. And she calls out. She wants to come to the table. So she comes around, we get her walker, and she comes to the, she's sitting up in the table. She's in hospice care. This is days before she dies. And she's sitting there and she's eating scrambled eggs. And on the table, her life is on the table. She, she had these drawers full of all these letters from my grandfather, uh, all these things that they had collected uh, around the country as they used to travel in their trailer. And we had just sitting there with my mom, my grandmother, myself, uh, we were able to ask her about these letters and this love affair that she had with my grandpa and what it was like to grow up in the 20s, 30s, and 40s. So I thought to myself, in fact, when I got on the plane, I, I really thought that my grandmother was going to live maybe another year. Uh, and in fact, I remember being there and my mom crying out, hey, this is it, this is it, this is it. And we all rushed uh, into the room and come to find out that wasn't it. Uh, she woke back up again and she was very lucid at this point now. Uh, she, she was beginning to, I think, enter that realm where she was about to pass. And it was time for me to go. It was time for me to go back and go back to work. So I remember saying goodbye to her, kissing her, getting on that plane finding out days later that she had passed away. And I was so glad that I went. I was so glad that I made the decision. And I think sometimes when someone's in hospice care, uh, we have a hard time entering that room because it's a reflection. We look in the mirror and we realize that might be me in that bed someday. And you have to get over that fear. And if you can get over that fear and you don't see that person in the bed is a reflection of what's going to happen to you and your humanity one day, but you really just have the ability to sit in that moment, that authentic moment. Uh, it's one of the most powerful things uh, that I've ever experienced. Second time, real quick, three Christmases ago, I went to see my mom. Her husband uh, had found out that he had cancer and he worked for the U.S. government in some pretty crazy places. Uh, where there was a lot of radiation, including White Sands Missile Range, for instance, or Area 54. You may have heard about that. Kirkland Air Force Base. Or you think about Roswell. You think about the place where the nuclear bombs were created. This is, this is where Stanley worked. This is, he worked for the government. He had all kinds of cancer in his body, four different types of cancer. And so I went there, and my mom is so optimistic. She didn't have him in hospice care yet. And he's dying. This is weeks before he's dying. And she's taking care of him. The doctors have sent him home and said, there's nothing we can do. And I'm sitting there on Christmas Day with my mother, and it's myself, my son, my mom, and we're taking care of Stanley. My mom didn't have any time to put up any Christmas decorations, so my son and I went to Walmart. You, you, ever, you ever see that tree that has the built-in lights? Yeah. We, we went, we grabbed that, we put the tree up, and we had Christmas there in Stanley's room. And days before he passed, he woke up. Uh, he hadn't been lucid. And he, he wanted a Wendy's hamburger. And he wanted cheese on that hamburger and tomato on that hamburger and ketchup on that hamburger. Did not want lettuce. 
What was interesting to my mother is he never ate a hamburger like that before, but he was very, very specific of what he wanted. He knew that he wanted a Coke and a cup. And so uh, on Christmas Day, after we changed his diaper, he was a big, big man, I went on a quest to find that hamburger. I brought it back. He ate the whole burger. Hmm. He drank the whole Coke. Uh, And then I ended up bringing in a hospice nurse. I left days later, and then he would pass days later. But to see the rally in him, I felt the same way when I got on the plane. I'm like, he just downed that burger. How is he going to pass away in the next couple of days? What's interesting here is the hospice nurse talks about the rally and what happens. And as we end the segment here, she doesn't tell you why, right? Did you see anywhere in that article why this happens? I didn't. No, and I said I, it's kind of a mystery. To I kind of like the mystery of it, you guys. So anyway, if you have an opportunity to see someone before they die and to enter the hospice room and to be a part of that versus coming back for a funeral when they've already passed on because the future the funeral is, is is really for the rest of us, I would encourage you, go sit with your grandmother. Go lay with grandma. And you never know. Maybe you'll end up with a Wendy's hamburger or some scrambled eggs. We will see you on the other side of this. If you're downsizing, upsizing, or right-sizing, Ron and Don can help you buy, sell, or invest in real estate. It all starts with a Ron and Don sit-down. Started out right away with Don helping us look at the options. Like, here are different ways you can approach the sale of this house. I've bought and sold a lot of real estate over my life. Don's listening skills were um, superior. Don came with Ron. He was incredibly well prepared. They were just really impressive. And the things that they outlined that they were, were going to provide, their services, were it just made it easy. It was a laydown. And so we put it on the market on Saturday. There was a lot of interest. They made an offer on the on the offer date for over asking price. We did amazing. It was the best case scenario. We couldn't have done better. It couldn't have been a better experience. When we first sat down, they showed me what property was selling for in my neighborhood. They had several suggestions on you know, when we should go on the market, what we needed to do to get ready to go on the market. I, I couldn't be happier with the experience we had. We all celebrated. It felt like a team victory. <laughs> we were all just jumping up and down. They were passionate and they, they were just honest and straightforward. And, uh, no, everything's great. Uh, you know, I definitely would recommend it. We had multiple offers, $50,000 more than the asking price. He had no contingencies, so I jumped on that one. I can't wait to do another deal with them. It was great. It was awesome. When you're ready to sit down with Ron and Don and start your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at ronanddonsitdown.com. You're listening to your old friends, Ron and Don, on the Ron and Don Radio Network, man. (laughs) You guys, welcome back to episode 338. And don't forget, uh, we are headed into 2022. And Ron, this is a referral business that we're in when it comes to real estate and realtors. We want to thank everybody out there that has referred us in 2021. We are very humbled by your trust. And we are very humbled by the fact that you would tell a friend or a family member that, hey, Ron and Don just just aren't in radio, but these guys, they nail it when it comes to real estate too. And we just did a 2021 kind of a reflection meeting and we're kind of blown away at the tens of millions of dollars of real estate that we have gotten to buy and sell, invest, 
on your behalf in the Ron and Don Nation, right? Yeah, and we, we like you said, appreciate when uh, the, the statisticians say that, that 10% of people make a move uh, every year. And it could just be from one apartment to the next, or it could be buying a home or selling a home. So uh, there's a lot of people out there that are going to find themselves in need of what we do. Yeah. And so give us a shot. And we don't like to brag too much, but when they're doing the numbers right now, we're in like the top 20, 25% of all realtors that exist uh, in terms of the, the amount of deals that we're doing. So I felt really good about that. That's pretty good in year two, you guys. Hey, one thank Kobe Wallace and Tina Wallace. Uh, this time last year, we helped get them into a pretty incredible home on Queen Anne. And then he called me the other day and he said, hey, I got a friend uh, up in Fremont that's looking to sell and relocate on Queen Anne. So he gave us that referral. And then he said, hey, I have a friend down the street, uh, uh, Everett Firefighter, an ex-Everett Firefighter, retired uh, 20 years on the department. He owns Mint Construction, and he's just built this pretty incredible home down the street. And so I went to look at it, and we had a buyer. In fact, our, our friend Monet said, I'd love to buy this house. And uh, and so she ended up buying that, and now she's going to be a neighbor to Colby and Tina, which is kind of cool in the way that that works. So congratulations to Monet. Colby, thank you for that, and thank you for trusting Man, us. Man, now they can share cool. stories about you with each other. <laughs> hey, Ron just walked in, and we're doing a uh, – we're, we're recording right now on a Saturday, so we're having a cup of coffee. Uh, why didn't you bring me a cup of coffee this morning? I because I always, I always bring you a cup of coffee. That is not true. Yeah. You most don't of the time. always bring me one. Well, I, you know I, what? I, you. I will say this. I bring you food and you coffee more than you bring food and coffee. That's true. And a lot true. of times if I'm at Starbucks and I'm like, I just will kind of get, and you used to guess my drink and you know my drink and you just bring it. But instead today, what you did is you pulled up out front. And then you text me real quick. No, hey, I texted you, wanna, you from hey, the you Starbucks. Hey, you want a coffee? And then I responded yes. And then you walked into my house with with a, and I'm over here having to make my own damn coffee. What happened? Because you go on and on and on about how early you wake up. And <laughs> you go to the coffee shop every day, and yeah. this is your routine. I can just I can just think of a time, and I wake up, and I, I'm going to go down to the Starbucks and get my coffee. Yeah. So, and I don't ever know in the morning okay. if you've already had your coffee. I don't want to bring you a coffee when you already had a coffee. Okay. And so I texted you from the drive-through. And by the way, shout out to the the crew at the Westlake Starbucks. That's the friendliest group of oh, really? people. Every one of them. It's I don't know who's doing the hiring over there. It's yeah. incredible. They're it's like going by the North Pole at Christmas. They're like a ray of sunshine. Yeah. It's it's first thing in the morning. I was like, it's it's amazing. Are they too happy though? No, just Is it like a fake happy. No, genuinely. Just, I don't like too happy fake happy. Just it's like an upbeat crew. I like it. And okay. uh, I texted you. You didn't text me back. Yeah. Uh, and so no coffee for you. Anyway, you walked in. You saw this check, and you're like, "Wow, five hundred dollars, five hundred bones. What are you going to do with this?" And I've actually already spent from the, the federal government. Yeah, I actually spent the the five hundred dollars, and I'll tell you what happened is a lot of us right now are getting checks. And through COVID-19, I have not received any type of money in the mail. Have you received any type of money in the mail? I don't. I may have gotten one of the stimulus checks, but it just went in my bank account. Yeah. Because my, you know, when I do my taxes, I, they, they have my bank account. Number. Okay. So, so I, I, I have received nothing. And when I really needed government money, like during Hurricane Katrina, I received nothing. And that there's been, there's been there, and there's been times in my life where I've needed unemployment or something, and I've never gotten just nothing. I've just I'm just always told no. So so anyway, 
Uh, and it's interesting if a radio station fires you and then they give you a two week severance, they can say no. If you cash that two week severance check and go, well, we gave money. Uh, and then you're really screwed for the next nine, 10 months as you're looking for uh, a radio job out there. Anyway, so I have this check and it's a tax credit cause I'm, I'm, I'm a single dad and it drives me a little nuts. And the reason it drives me nuts and, and both presidents have done this now when when Donald Trump was sending out these the, these checks, these stimulus checks, he wanted to make sure his name was actually on the checks if you got these checks in the mail, which I thought was really interesting. I don't think Joe Biden's name is on is on this particular check. In fact, I'm not sure. Uh, it might be the treasurer's names on this check. So I get this check for $500, which doesn't really help me or hurt me, but it does piss me off a little bit. And the reason it pisses me off a little bit, because I have a lot of friends that don't need that check either, because I took a portion of that check and I put it up online. And I said, how many of you out there that are parents have received this check? And I heard from lots of folks, like my friend Sabrina, and I said, how many of you needed this check? And the most of the people didn't need this check. And the thing is, the U.S. government doesn't have that $500 right now. They go and basically they print those checks. They send them to me in the mail or they deposit that money in your bank account. And the more money that they create, the more checks that they print, it means the money that I currently have in my bank account or you currently have in your bank account, it ends up being worth less. Now, I've had a lot of people say, hey, man, you know, you've been paying your taxes for an awful long time. You deserve that $500. It's not about me deserving $500. It's about the fact that we look at food banks right now and they can't even afford to go out and buy food with the funds that they have this holiday season because of inflation. Hamburger right now, we talked about this in the last episode, depending on what part of the country you're in, is up 30 to 50%. There's certain types of fruits and vegetables in some areas of the country that are up 70%. Cars, I have a car that is six years old. It's a six-year-old forerunner. Right now, the Toyota dealership will pay me. I have a I have a sticker, the original sticker in the glove box. They will they will pay me the original sticker of that car if I'll bring it back and they'll buy it back for me. Why is that? Scarcity, but it's also because of inflation, and it's also because of the fact that the U.S. government is in a lot of debt. China does own our, and here we are printing money. So what I did is I went out to try to offset that, and I bought some food, and I put it in the Les Schwab box, and that's where that $500 is going to go. But it it, it kind of pissed me off that I got this check, Ron, and it kind of pisses me off that this right now is going to be one of the inflation drivers as we head into 2022, and things are just going to be a lot more expensive moving forward. Are you, Matt? See, I, I don't, I don't know if I agree with everything you just said. Are Are you upset that you got it specifically in that they don't have a better sorting mechanism for people that are really, really do need that? Check you know what? I think I I think these stimulus checks are political moves. And I think any time that you see a president getting behind stimulus checks, they're out buying votes. President Biden's uh, numbers right now are historically low. And if you look at Bush, where he was in his presidency, it was right after 9-11. So he was at about 80%. His father was up in the 50s. Barack Obama was up in the 50s. And if you look at President Trump, he was in the high 40s. Biden right now is in the low 40s, and in some polls, he's in the high 30s. So when you start sending checks out to everyone and people that aren't qualified like me to get that check, I don't need that check, 
I think it's reckless, and I think it's politicians buying votes, and I don't like it. Well, I don't know if it, it, it could be part of that, but I also think that there are many, many Americans that actually need that money. I that's, think that's my point. So give them my $500. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm saying make sure that you redirect. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, so I, I think that they could do a much better job of, of sorting that uh, and of, of who is actually in need and who isn't in need. Um, and I think that also the, the, the global economy now is way more complex than we realize. Some of the stuff that you mentioned, there's a, there's a, a ray of truth to it. And some of it is like the hamburger thing. You know, the inner workings of feed and delivery and truck drivers and where the, the feed comes from and how we're going to get it to market and how do you deliver it and all of the labor shortages and all those things are all intertwined together. So I don't, I don't know if you can draw a straight line from whether or not we're giving out stimulus checks to the increase in price across the board. But I, I, I hear your point. I think that we could do a much better job at seeing who's in actual need, distributing the money there, and then politicians want to avoid other people that don't think like you freaking out and saying, oh, my friend got 500 bucks for his kid. How come I don't get 500 bucks for my kid, even though in reality they don't need that money? Yeah, let's talk about Squad 51 next. Hey, you guys, we want to thank everybody in the Ron and Don Nation that has been switching to Mitch and Mitch.loans. Mitch, I got to ask you, here comes 2022. A lot of people are thinking money's going to be way too expensive. I'm not even going to be able to afford a home. What are you hearing about money, finances, stock market, interest rates as we start looking at 2022? What does it look like? That's a great question. And everyone's saying rates will rise. But when we we have to keep in mind that rates rising is totally a perspective thing, right? Because rates have been, yes, two and a half, three percent recently. But when we were young <laughs> or when our parents bought houses, rates were 12, 15 percent. So still compared to that, rates are good and we see rates going up, but rates will stay manageable and money's still cheap, guys. All right, he's Mitch Weeks. He's the official mortgage guy of the Ron and Don Nation. Go to Mitch.loans right now. Tell him you're with Ron and Don and you save half a percent on your new loan. Mitch.loans, NMLS 1691573. Hi, this is Therese, the new buyer specialist on the Ron and Don team. I would love to help you buy you your next home. All right, you guys, welcome back to episode 338. Uh, One of our favorite days uh, when we do real estate is the day that we're able to call someone and they didn't expect a check. And we're not going to do it on this episode. We'll do it on the next. Uh, We just were able to hand a check over to one of our clients who's part of the Ron and Don Nation, a hard-charging, working nurse, uh, taking care of her parents who are ailing, and we were able to give her $450,000 more, more than she was expecting for her house. $450,000 more. I don't have time to tell that story right now, but I do have time to tell this story because another one of our favorite days is when we get to hand the keys away to somebody, right? Yeah, it's always fun that you know you go through. It's, it's a longer process than most people think, and it's very much longer than we're used to in in modern day society like things happen real like you can order a package uh online and it's there the next day sometimes it's there the same day so to go hey in 30 days from now you're gonna get your keys and there's these 19 steps that we got to get through uh it's just an unexpected thing that most people don't 
do day to day with this timeline. So by the time you actually get the keys in your hand and you deliver them, it's a huge relief. Yeah. So I'm going to share a story with you real quick. This is on my Facebook page. Find Don O'Neill on social media on Facebook if you want to read it. It's a story about a television show called Emergency Squad 51. And Monet, one of our buyers, in fact, she bought two homes. uh, And she's part of the Ron and Don Nation. Her and her lovely daughter, Veda. uh, We were able to hand keys to her the other day. And she handed something back to me. So I want to read this story to you. And so it makes sense to you. The 10 code is something that my father used in the 70s when he was a firefighter. And and at least in the Midwest part, he was also... At, at one point, he worked for the prison system. Uh, and most people are familiar with 10-4. 10-4, good buddy. Yeah, like, that's so there's only 10-10 means you're on the side, means you're resting. 10-20 is where you're at. 10-9, for instance, might be to go ahead and repeat yourself. Uh, 10-34, I 10-9? think, is a, is, a, is a restaurant. So, uh, And then there's some other things. You about, didn't respond to my 10-9. Yeah. Anyway, so, so I'm going to read this story to you, and you're going to hear the 10 code. And then right at the end, you're going to hear KMG... 635, and that's the way that Gajan DeSoto from uh, this television show always signed off, KMG365. So here's a picture of Monet and myself on my Facebook page, and I'm handing the keys to her house here on Queen Anne the other day. And I said, hey, this is my dear friend, Monet. Uh, She is well-respected in the boardroom, you guys. She is. She's a killer. She is. She's also a, a passionate present mama bear to an incredible four-year-old girl. Uh, This is a picture of us showing up the other day uh, to hand off some keys. But before you you look at that picture, look at this one. This is her actually showing up at McClure Middle School helping us pressure wash the other day uh, when we were doing a cleanup at my son's school. Anyway, I said earlier today we exchanged something. I gave her keys for her new badass house on Queen Anne, and she handed me a Hot Wheel that made me get a little teary-eyed when I was driving off that afternoon. Here's why. When I was seven, I used to listen to my dad's fire radio. It sat on the top of our fridge, and often a call would come in, and he would sprint to the firehouse. He's a volunteer firefighter. So he'd sprint to the firehouse in Gurney, Illinois, along with a lot of other men and women, mostly men, and they would jump on a fire truck or in a rescue squad, or we had a lot of grass fires. They had a grass truck, they had a snorkel, they had a hook and ladder, they had all the cool stuff. And and anytime my dad would leave, and, and I have great memories of him, I would also picture him saving babies, helping uh, car crash victims. And, and I could picture it because I would sit down with my family and I would watch this television show called Emergency. It was on from 1967 when I was born through 1972, and then there were reruns. And there were two guys that were in this truck, and they were paramedics, and they were in Los Angeles at a place called Rampart, and they drove a squad called Squad 51. I love that show, and I also love uh, 1995 Backdraft. Kurt Russell's in that. Ron Howard was the director. And if you know that movie, you know when he says to his brother, Kurt Russell, you go, we go, because he's hanging on to him. And he's about to fall into a fire. He's like, I'm not letting go. So if you go, we go, I'm going with you. So anyway, those are two of my favorite all-time dramas. In fact, when I was a boy, I swore one day that I'd be a firefighter too and drive a truck just like my dad and just like Gage and DeSoto. In fact, when I got older, I tested. I actually tested for the Seattle Fire Department and the Seattle Police Department And I also was pursuing the FBI. And guess what I found out? Whether it was the FBI, the Seattle Police Department, 
or the fire department because of my eyes, because at that point I had LASIK. And then because LASIK was kind of a new procedure, they wouldn't let you on the department. They actually would today. Anyway, so I decided to pursue my uh, radio career. And I wanted to help as many firefighters and police officers as I could. And if you've listened to Ron and myself on the radio, you know we have great respect for firefighters, police officers, and out of the $25 million that we've raised uh, over our radio careers, a lot of that has been for first responders. Anyway, I bring this up because on our final walkthrough of Monet's home last week, uh, we met the builders who built her fantastic home, and they look like uh, Gage and DeSoto. They're from uh, Mint Builders. In fact, I started calling them on the walkthrough uh, Gage and DeSoto. (laughs) One of them admitted that he was an Everett firefighter, and he had just retired after 20 years. You can't make this stuff up, you guys. I then told Monet that I had tracked down all three squads, Ron knows this, that were used on the television show because as I got older, I wanted to own a Squad 51. This is what I found out. Two had been junked. And then one of those Squad 51s is in a museum down in Arizona. Ron actually took me on a surprise visit to the museum a number of years back. And sure as shiznit, it was Gage and DeSoto's Squad 51. Do you remember that? Now that you say it, if you would have asked me before you said that, I would never remember Yeah, Squad 51 was in that I'm a good friend. Anyway, as I handed her the keys to her new home, she handed me a beautiful card that explained that she had actually hunted for the truck as well, and she couldn't find it. I was incredibly moved as I got ready to drive off because she handed me this matchbox of Squad 51. She said, this is uh, the only thing that I could find. And she said it was really hard to find, too, which I know to be true. So anyway, I'm sitting there in my truck in the driveway getting ready to leave. I'm not crying, but I'm a little misty-eyed because I was really touched by the moment. Uh, and I'm a little soft that way. So anyway, I was pretty touched that she would do that. I sat there. And then you know what happened? <laughs> Usually you get tones, and the different tones mean Gurney Fire Department. Kankakee Fire Department might be, that might be Kankakee. So when you hear the tone, there's a different tone for a different fire department because at that time, they were all using the same radio band. And guess what, you guys? I It's Rampart. I have a call. They wanted to know my 1020. I was actually 1010. So I asked them 109 and they oblige. And so now I know my mission. There was a lady that was stuck in her car on a bridge right off the 101. I called it into Dixie. Then I talked to Dr. Phil. Oops, sorry, wrong television show. I told her that I'd be using the paddles and we would need 10 cc's on a morphine drip and we needed stat. And then I got on the horn and I told Chet to follow in the ladder to take care of the traffic. And then I was on my way. Lights and sirens to help that woman. I was in Squad 51. Let me give you an update. This lady lived, and we didn't have to call in Quincy. (laughs) Wow. You really brought that home. (laughs) If you don't know who Quincy was, he was on another television show, and he dealt with dead people. Anyway, boy, did it feel good, you guys, to be a kid that day. Monet, thanks for that. Love to you and Veda. Congratulations on your new forever home. And I signed it off. Don DeSoto, Squad 51, Rampart, Los Angeles. Here it is. KMG 635. We are 1010 on the side. 
Ron and I are 1010 on the side. Thanks for stopping by the Ron and Don show. We appreciate that. Three things that you could do for us. Go to ronanddon.com or ronanddonsitdown.com and get signed up for the Nation News. In fact, if you were signed up for the Nation News, you would have received the story of Squad 51 and all the pictures of Monet and myself engaging DeSoto. That would come out in the Nation News. Ron writes for it. I write for it. You'll hear from us one time a week, so we're not going to kill your inbox. So just go out to ronanddon.com and get signed up for the nation news also would you hit subscribe on this podcast because every once in a while during the holidays like next week we might take a show or two off and when we're back one of these shows will automatically drop in your inbox and finally ron what should people do if they're thinking about i'm gonna buy i'm gonna sell in 2022 but it's still 2021 is it too early to do a sit down no do a sit down the hardest step to take is that first step uh, and so reach out to us. We've got guides for you, playbooks. Uh, we can do a sit down and we can start game planning with you about what your dreams and goals are. And so it all starts with a sit down. Email me directly if you need to, ron at windermere.com. Yeah, it's Monday, you guys. Have a great week, a great Thanksgiving. We'll be back with a Wednesday show and a show on Thursday. Enjoy your kiddos at this time too, because a lot of them, if you're in the Seattle school districts, a lot of them have almost the whole week off head up shoulders back mitch dot loans if you need a loan les schwab's les schwab tire centers if you need some tires and don't forget ron and don if you need to sit down with us all right until next time you're listening to the ron and don show only on the ron and don radio network now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet and we'll see you next time only 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 on the Ron Don Radio Network.